Hello and welcome to Bittersweet Symphony, a podcast about the lives of classical musicians during the pandemic. I'm Cleanna Ryan, a violinist, a member of the Irish Chamber Orchestra and a freelancer. And in this episode, I'm chatting with Anita Vedres. Anita is a freelance fiddle player as well. And she's also a member of the Irish Baroque Orchestra. When I asked her to think about selecting memories for me, she realised that there were three important lenses through which she experienced the bitter, the sweet and the bittersweet of the pandemic. Those were her family, nature and the environment and her working and musical life. A creaking chair and her dog also make valuable contributions to the conversation. This is Anita Vedres. There's three lenses. So one would would be family and uh, relationships. One would be nature and the environment and one would be the arts and work. I feel, mostly I feel grateful for the way that it clarified priorities for people. And it showed us, you know, what are the things that we really treasure? What are the things that are really special, that are meaningful, make meaning in our lives? Were there parts of the experience that you had forgotten most of the things that I had forgotten about were the things that were difficult that I didn't really want to remember. Okay. I suppose the most difficult moment was that sense of, as a freelance musician, feeling completely adrift. I just felt like I was in the middle of a vast ocean and I didn't know if there was going to be a line or a boat. So that was kind of terrifying. In the end... The relationships, the orchestras that I've played with for 25 years and 15 years did throw me a line. And I'm really grateful for that. But that was that was hard. Like a lot of a lot of lockdown was really a lot of it was was lovely. The sense of slowing down, well, the sense of stopping. I really valued that. And I think in a way I really needed it. How did your personal, your work, your mental, emotional, physical life feel to you before this time? Just going along as usual, but going along means so many different things because, you know, when the kids were small, I didn't work very much. And as they got bigger, as I could find a little bit more freedom, I worked more and more. And then as you go along, you don't realize, but you've got a lot of plates spinning. Mm-hmm. I didn't really realize how busy I was until I stopped. When I looked back on the three weeks or so up to that moment on the 12th of March, I thought, Jesus, how did I even get from A to B? I must have been just running. How, when, when did I eat, you know? There wasn't much time for self-care. And then there was. Then there suddenly was. And that was amazing. I think I'd always felt like I was looking at my watch. I was on a clock. And then there was no clock. And that was such a luxury. Yeah. There's no limit to the time. I think I felt that as well. Having the time to be curious and, and chats and all that kind of stuff. No, it was really beautiful. And then to have the time with my adult children, that I, w- I wouldn't have had that. You know, that was a real gift. I think our relationships are all the stronger and now things are becoming a little bit more normal. Uh, it's great to see the light in their eyes again. Do you have any ambivalent feelings about things moving forward, losing that connection with them? That would be the bittersweet element of that kind of family and relationships is that they will move on now and they'll get on with things and I'm delighted for them. But we're not going to have that level of connection and time again. So you kind of, in reflecting, you organised your thoughts and your memories into three distinct areas. 
Do you want to talk about all of them? I think it would be useful to talk about all of them. I think yeah. I've already talked about that family element in that the, the bitter part of it was seeing the effect that COVID had on their lives. So, for example, Fiacre was in Edinburgh and he was only there for just over two months. Mm-hmm. I was on the phone. You need to get home. You need to get home in the next three days. He has asthma. He has had asthma. He doesn't have very severe asthma, but, you know, he can get a pretty bad chest. And we didn't know, even though he's 22. I wanted at home, so I knew where he was, and I knew he had his inhaler, and I was around the pharmacy ordering a spare one in case he'd lost all of them. And so, yeah, so that was hard because he was really enjoying it. Did he struggle being at home? And Yeah, he struggled with online lecturing, and, and then Oscar actually just dropped out of college. He couldn't bear it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was really, really hard to see that. But then the sweetness was that then we had this time that we would not otherwise have had. Yeah. And that was really, really, really great. And the bittersweet is that they're moving on and forward. And yeah, yeah. And then you, Nita, and your own relationship with your environment. Well, I really think that that has kept me afloat. Mm. I really think that that has made everything okay because I'm blessed. I live in a beautiful place. I live by the sea. So every day I get to walk by the sea and every day I am so grateful for that I don't know where my head would be if I couldn't just get out to the openness of the sea and we had such a beautiful year it was almost like nature put on a display I feel like I'm gonna get emotional now just thinking about it but the bitterness of that was that I felt like oh my god what have we done do you know because everything suddenly stopped there was a switch and then there was this amazing display and everybody was talking about the bird song and how it, and it had always been there. It wasn't like it was extraordinary, but suddenly we could hear it and see it. And I thought, oh my God, it's so beautiful and we're so destructive. And how are we going to honour our place in all of this? And there was time to think about that. So that was really profound. But I think that my daily or walks or whatever you call them are the really the things that kept me afloat and my, my family. What is it about that connection with the sea? What is it? I just feel like when I'm in that kind of beauty, I'm already at the bittersweet when I use the words. It's the feeling of our glorious insignificance, that we're, we're only here for a short time, yet this planet has been here for so long. And it's so beautiful and it's so resilient and it's so powerful. And we get to be here for this moment, really, in all of that. It's a little bit bleak in one way that we're we're here and that we're gone our mortality but yeah just to feel like I'm in this moment now I'm part of this whole moment now and how blessed am I to be here and see this and breathe this and notice this and have this sense of wonder yeah that's it that's really powerful though isn't it I think it is and I and I feel really grateful and the last week of August I went off to Inishbofin and I mean, it was ridiculously beautiful. I was drinking it in literally every moment. And the last night I stepped out the door and and I could hear the waves lapping on the shore. And I looked up and there was this orange moon in the sky and the orange shimmers all over the ocean. And, and I was like, oh my God, it's just, it's too much now, stop. Is this gonna change the way that you live? Yeah, I hope so. I hope that that we've all taken enough notice that it will change the way we all live. Of course, there's a huge doubt there, isn't there? Because we've seen how quickly things get back up to speed. And Are you getting busy again? 
Yeah. Are you still getting to do your all walks? Yeah, not so much. And I am looking at my watch, but that's okay. It is, it is getting busy. And I, I don't know, there's more talk now about, about the environment in the media. And I'm hopeful that, that our country at least can make it a priority. One of the main things with us as a community when everything was locked down and people weren't able to travel was the fact that people couldn't be flying in and out and everywhere for gigs. Do you have different feelings about that now? Are you a little bit torn about that? I know it is a huge conflict. And I think going to China or Dubai and doing one or two concerts is just like that has got to stop. Yeah, I wonder, will there be a day where each orchestra is mindful of its footprint? I mean, I don't travel so much. Really, the 98% of my work is here in Dublin yeah. and, and then in Limerick. But I have and do miss the people who travel in. So that is a huge conflict. There is that amazing kind of bonding experience from touring together that I'm sure comes out in the music somehow as well. You, you also thought about your bitter and sweet and your bittersweet in terms of yourself as a musician. Yeah, so the bitter was feeling really adrift and not belonging somewhere. That's always been a struggle for me. I guess in one way I belong in several places and mm-hmm. I have a spiritual home in ICO and I, I left that for family reasons and that was a difficult decision to make but it was, you know, that was the best choice I could make at the time but it's always been a source of some sadness for me. So that was hard to feel, oh God, will they, will they mind me? Will they look after me? Will they reach out to me? Will I have a sense of involvement? How did it feel when they did then? Oh, I was just so relieved and I was so glad and I was so reassured that they had remembered that our relationship had amounted to something. It could have been a test of those relationships and, and they all came through. Did you play, Anita? Did you put it away? What did you do? I did play. And, and sometimes it was just like, I have this hard anger fiddle. And sometimes it would just be like, I'd follow Martin Hayes' YouTube channel and learn a tune just for fun. That was nice. I like that. I should go back to that, actually. But you didn't kind of completely disconnect. You stayed connected. Yeah, I did. If anything, because I had the time, I wanted to. And now I'm kind of less able to practice and it's hard to get the balance right. So in terms of your music, the bitter was the fear and the f- sense of being unmoored or something. Unmoored, completely unmoored, completely adrift. Like, oh God, the time that I've spent with these orchestras was stupid. Should I, have, should I have just like stopped playing the violin, given up music? Or should I have just tried desperately to get a job? Because, you know, I hadn't really tried that hard because, you know, I think I was just going along fine and there was always work and, you know, it was fine mm. and I enjoyed the variety and everything. And then I thought, oh, God, I made a terrible mistake and now nobody's going to throw me a line and it's just all been for nothing. And I did have one like moment of total despair, meltdown. But it was just the one. And then it was fine. Was that just early on or? Yeah, it would have been two and a half months into the real lockdown. Like we all thought it was going to be two or three weeks, right? Or yeah. maybe two months. Yeah. And then it wasn't. And you're like, oh, Jesus. Like, is this ever going to end? So you ended up on the on the floor with the rest of us for a bit. Yeah. God, it was so weird, that moment, remembering it now. God, it was so intense. It was really intense. And then sweet, I think the sweetest moment was that moment. You were there, Cleona, in Limerick, walking out onto the stage and the audience just standing up. And we hadn't played a note. 
And it was just, wow. Like, that's what it's all about. It's all about the audience and having someone to play to and for and with. Like, that sense of communion, sharing this moment. Like, it was great to have work and to have stuff to play for broadcasts and for live stream. And at least we could play for each other. Yeah, yeah, that was great. But then there came a point where, oh, God, please, no more of this. Yeah. Please, can we? Like, even if it's just a tiny audience. Also, the ephemeral nature of it, the fact that you can just create something in a moment and then it's just gone, as opposed to committing these performances to weeks and weeks and weeks of being online and it just changes how you are in the moment as a performer yeah yeah I would be thinking oh god where's the camera now you know is it on me or I want to scratch my nose or something and the priorities were wrong it didn't feel like the real thing and then to have an audience again was so fulfilling and so rewarding and so uplifting and just so heart Bursingly amazing. And then last Thursday to be in the audience and to share in the experience. That was equally rewarding and amazing. I was on such a buzz after the concert. I really was. So we were both at the same one and it was just powerful. Really, really powerful. And I'm not going to forget that. And what's the bittersweet when it comes to your working life? I suppose the bittersweet was in the last few months, as we were opening up as a society, I kept looking to see where we were in the list of things that were going to happen and I couldn't find us. It was almost laughable because it's our world. We're kind of seeing it up close all the time and maybe it has this false sense of significance in our society, but I would have hoped that it would be on a list and I struggled to find it and I found that very challenging. But then sometimes I wonder, are we in a bubble? You know. Yeah, we don't just play concerts though, Anita. We all know that's not just what we do. We all do everything. We're in recording sessions, we're at gigs, we're everywhere. We're on the Late Late Show, backing up someone, you know. And if you took all of that away, I mean... Ugh. So the bittersweet memory... Did you make deductions from that? Rather than, than deductions, more questions. And they are... The questions as as to how is it that it's so apparently, it's seemingly insignificant to our government. Yeah. When from my perspective, and obviously my perspective is going to be, you know, different from theirs, but from my perspective, it, it is so essential to people. I know that that concert made a huge difference to me. And I know that my mum needs to go to live concerts and has been so nourished by the few that she's been able to go to. And I I know that I see the difference that it's made to my son to be able to go to a live event. It's just embarrassing when we're not even on the list. You know, I don't I don't feel that there's a deep respect for the arts in our current government. Going forward, have you a different perspective on how you want to live and work or not? Yeah, well, I want to make more time for family and nurturing relationships with friends. I want to continue to make choices that are positive for our environment, whatever way I can. Yeah. My car is nearly dead, so I'm hoping to get an electric car. So I hope that that's the right thing. I mean, there's so many, so much controversy about these things, but just hoping to make choices that make some difference, small differences. And I guess I'm hoping to choose work more carefully to honor the relationships that have the those orchestras that did reach out and support me it's clear 
where the relationships are strong. It's clearer now than ever before where the relationships are yeah. strong. That's lovely. Is there anything else that you'd like to say? No, I don't think so. I think that I suppose that uh, our personal glorious insignificance is really important to remember. We're just these tiny little sparks and the whole thing is interconnected. We shouldn't sever the connections between our healthcare and our environment. You know, we have to consider the whole thing as a, as a whole. And, you know, don't leave this place in a mess. You know, try to leave it at least the same or maybe a bit better. Yeah. Thanks so much, Anita. Thanks, Glee. So, Anita, here we are. And I had emailed you to thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your memories and experiences. You replied because you you felt that there were some things that you had left unspoken. What I hadn't said was that, of course, we were in a state of extreme, well, fear to begin with. And I hadn't talked about the fear and the horror of those first three weeks and feeling like we were living in some kind of an apocalypse. And then, obviously, I withdrew into my uh, comfortable family unit. But then when I was thinking about the things that I'd said, I felt like, oh God, I really sound so privileged. And I am very privileged. And I think it's important that I acknowledge that fact, that I am extremely lucky. Yeah, just extremely fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. I'm not struggling financially. I live with my family who are all wonderful. And I live in a beautiful place and I I work in a beautiful industry, really. And so I just want to acknowledge that. And I want to acknowledge the incredible grief and loss that people experienced. I didn't. Again, I was extremely fortunate. Nobody really close to me suffered that much. My sister's a paramedic, so she was on the front line. So in that regard, she's the closest person to me that I know was really hit by the horror of what we all experienced but um, I just want to acknowledge those people who were who saw it every day who saw the suffering and the loss and who were exhausted and carried on I just didn't want it to sound like I wasn't aware of all of that hard stuff because it really was so so awful for a lot of people and particularly people who had elderly relatives in nursing homes you know, whilst I was having my wonderful walks and, you know, strolling down the pier and admiring sunsets, there were people who were in sweaty PPE struggling to save lives. And I know that and I acknowledge that. Yeah, one of which was your sister. And also with this reflection, you've acknowledged that you felt horror and terror and fear and that this safe space was a retreat from that. But no no more than anybody else that we were like watching the news and listening to the radio and thinking, what is going on? It feels like a long, long time ago. It feels, it's quite weird to think about those first two weeks. But it's also extraordinary to see what our country and, and the world at large is capable of achieving when it's in a crisis. And if we could apply that kind of concentrated effort to trying to do something about the ongoing crisis that we're in, i.e. the climate crisis, if we could really focus our attention in that same way, we could really achieve so much. So I'm hopeful. We've seen it's possible, so I'm hopeful. Thanks to Anita for sharing her experiences with us. I found it very moving to hear how deeply she engaged with her environment and how her connection with the sea 
has held and supported her throughout her life. It made me reflect on how I have stopped taking the time to notice and how I often take my environment for granted. Do keep sharing the podcast with friends, family, colleagues, the person at the bus stop and on your social media. Thanks so much for listening to and supporting Bittersweet Symphony. And until next time.